You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. The movie Sicko by Michael Moore has attracted new attention to the current state of healthcare in America. We have currently close to 47 million uninsured people in this country, 80% coming from working families. What can be done? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Maria Hester, a board-certified internal medicine specialist with over 12 years' experience in direct patient care and patient education. She has a special interest in preventive medicine and empowering people to partner in their health care by teaching them patient skills. She wrote Your Family Medical Record, an interactive guide to getting the best care in the late 90s, long before patient empowerment was considered a necessity. She has since updated this guide and programmed it into a USB flash drive to help enable people to keep a copy of their vital health records with them at all times. Welcome to ReachMD. Well, thank you, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Dr. Hester, please tell us how you see the problem of the uninsured. I think the problem is a very difficult one, but the bottom line comes down to finances. Nobody wants to be uninsured, but a lot of people simply can't afford health insurance. Surprisingly, most people who are uninsured come from working families. Unfortunately, with the high cost of health care, people often have to decide whether they want to buy food or pay for health insurance premiums, and you know which one is going to win out. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So how did we end up in this situation? I think there are a lot of reasons we ended up here. For instance, we have a very technologically advanced society, and we always want more and more. We want the best and the brightest and the shiniest things that we can get, but those things cost money. The cost of medical technology is a major contributor to our health care costs. Another issue is the cost of pharmaceuticals, which, as you know, the pharmaceutical industry makes a tremendous amount of money, and they outpace the Fortune 500 companies. They do so well, but nevertheless, you know, the cost of pharmaceuticals are, the cost is very high, and that is a major driving factor. The fact that we have an aging population is also very significant because, as everyone knows, as we grow older, we're more likely to utilize resources. So those are a few of the major drivers for the rising cost of health care. And the percentage by which the health care premiums increase every year is significantly different than the percentage by which a person's salary increases. And so as more and more time goes by, there's a larger and larger gap between what people can afford and what it actually costs. And now, how did this current situation lead to overutilization of the emergency room? Well, unfortunately, when a person cannot afford to see a primary care doctor, that person is more likely to become sick, extremely sick. For instance, something as minor as a little cut can end up with a septic shock type type picture when a person can't get in to see the doctor, get instructions, get a simple prescription. This happens over and over again. I don't know how many times I've seen patients in the ER who were close to close to death literally because the blood pressure was uncontrolled or the diabetes was uncontrolled. But they would say things like, I just can't afford the medicine or I can't afford to see my doctor. And so in the long run, we're sacrificing people's lives and putting them at risk, major risk, because we have not made the healthcare system affordable to everyone. Do you think we have enough physicians? No, I don't. And I think that it's going to get much worse. As a matter of fact, there are studies that suggest that we're looking at a doctor shortage of somewhere 
around 200,000 physicians by the year 2010. And just imagine how many patients you need to see now to keep your doors open. If we have that kind of a shortage of physicians, the amount of time that we will have to spend with each patient is going to go down significantly, which is also going to put people at risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do we have enough training positions to fill new docs to, to meet the shortage? Well, with the rise in the population, no, we don't. We have more people living older, which is a good thing. Nevertheless, we have more people who are living older, and the population is growing in a disproportionate way to the number of individuals who are entering our training programs. And whereas in times past, medicine was considered to be a very lucrative, a a very distinguished field, a lot of people are starting to see all of the chaos that we're dealing with, everything from the malpractice crisis to the amount of time you have to spend with patients and doctors are very disgruntled and they read articles all over the place. And a lot of the best and brightest students have decided they don't want that. They don't want to give up such a high, such a large amount of their lives to dedicate themselves to a field that can be frustrating, time-consuming, a field that takes away a tremendous amount from their family lives, and they're just opting to go into other things. Although, interestingly, I just heard on the news today that this for the class coming um, in the next year, that they actually had more applicants than ever for medical school. Well, that's great to hear. Actually, the um, there's been a significant impetus to try to turn things around by the um, College of Physicians. And they're really trying to do things to prevent this from happening. AAMC, or the American Medical Group Association, is also actively involved in dealing with this to try to help us, you know, avoid this major shortage. And more medical schools, the AMA News, you know, reported some things that basically medical schools are trying to increase enrollment because they realize that if things don't change, we are going to be faced with a potentially catastrophic situation in the not-so-distant future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned earlier the possibility that malpractice premiums had something to do with our current crises. How so? When I speak with fan- friends and family members and, you know, they read about all these things in the news, you know, they're, they're glad they're, they're not in this field. I mean, having to deal with I mean, everybody's going to make a mistake every now and then, and that that is a given. However, physicians are held under a microscope, and for good reason, we're held to a higher standard because we deal with people's lives. Nevertheless, by making a mistake, you know, being held accountable, that's one thing, but a high percentage of lawsuits are eventually dropped because they really don't have any significant merit. Nevertheless, the physicians are faced with a lot of psychological and mental issues plus financial issues that they have to deal with. And so just the the malpractice crisis is doing a lot. You hear a lot about these horror stories in which you can't find a physician for a very large radius. And patients and the, the public is really learning about this more and more. And that is another thing, whether it's subconscious or not, that has made the practice of medicine less desirable than it once was. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is internist and patient education expert, Dr. Maria Hester. Okay, now the hard question. Dr. Hester, what should we do to fix all these problems? I think that we need to take an innovative approach 
there are certain things that are being done. They've been done over and over. Some things work, some things don't. But we have to learn to think outside of the box. For instance, most of us were taught in medical school that the history is paramount. Nevertheless, most patients have no clue about how to communicate with a physician. And we all know about that patient who comes in and goes around and around and around before answering the yes-no question. And I think that we as physicians can take a leadership role in educating people on ways to partner with us in their health care, ways in which they can communicate with us effectively, keep track of their medical records, um, get a good patient advocate and a family member who can speak on their behalf if need be. But there are a lot of things that we don't do enough of that could really impact not only patient care and patient outcome, but also the efficiency with which we can see our patients. As an internist, when a nurse comes into the doctor's office, comes in to, to see me, I'm happy because I know she knows what's important, what's not, and she can get to the point. I literally timed the patient once, and I asked a yes-no question. It was on the phone, so I could afford to spend this time. It took her 18 minutes to answer the question because she was so circumferential. That is an extreme, but we know we all have patients who they go on and on just because they don't know. But who is teaching them? We are not teaching them. They're not learning it on the Internet. So there's a tremendous disconnect between the power they could have and the power that they currently have. And I think that that is something that we need to take very seriously and start doing for our patients, not only for their benefit but for ours. Because if we can see patients in a timely manner get to the correct diagnosis quicker with fewer tests, it is a tremendous win-win situation. Mm -hmm. How can we help patients do this? Well, there are a variety of things we can do. We can give them patient lists. We can give them handouts when they come in. We can reinforce things with them. We can do so. We can have the clinical assistants do so. There are a variety of educational things that they can be given. On my site, I have a site called patientschool.net, and there is a, a page for professionals, and I have plenty of downloads and other things that you can just print off photocopy, no problem, and give to your patients just to help them understand what things they can do, what things they need to think about before going to see a doctor, how they can help expedite their own visits. So that's www.patientschool.net? Uh-huh, just patientschool.net and click on the area for the uh, icon for professionals, medical professionals. Any other ideas, Dr. Hester, about what we can do to improve the current healthcare situation in the United States? I think one thing, and I have to speak as an internist, one thing that we can do is learn how to back off as far as the power goes. For instance, medical records. Having medical records is extremely important, and we all know about the patients who go to the ER. They say, I have a little yellow pill, a little green pill, and we have no idea what they're talking about. We need to empower patients with important information and explain to them how to organize information so it is effective. So whether the patient is going to the ER, to a specialist, or to a brand-new doctor, that patient is equipped with some very important knowledge that will help him or her fare better. For instance, there was a recent article in the Journal of Hospital Medicine that addresses the hospitalist movement, and specifically it noted that the discharge summaries have not arrived in about 75% of the time that a patient goes back to see his PCP. Therefore, there's a tremendous potential for things to fall through the cracks. That's just one example. But very often, if a person has 
an advocate, even if the person can't take good notes in the hospital, if the person has a spouse or a relative or a friend who can come to the hospital regularly, take notes and so forth, so when the person is discharged, even if that person's doctor doesn't have a discharge summary, at least when the patient walks in the door, that doctor can get some very important information very quickly. And that can literally be life-sustaining, life-saving in certain situations. Well, thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. We've been discussing the state of America's healthcare system and some ideas about how to improve it with our guest today, internist and patient education expert, Dr. Maria Hester. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. 